Welcome to the Twimmel AI Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Charrington. All right, everyone, I am on the line with Ilka Korhonen. Ilka is Vice President of Technology at FirstBeat, a company that I first met with at CES. In fact, I, I met Ilka at CES, and he was kind enough to agree to jump on the line for a uh, an interview. Ilka, welcome to This Week in Machine Learning and AI. Thank you very much. Uh, so why don't we get started by having you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so uh, my background is that I've been doing biomedical engineering for uh, basically entire my professional career. I did uh, on on nineties. Uh, I was working on biomedical engineering and and ambulatory uh, heart rate variability monitoring, believe it or not, and activity tracking. But the technologies were quite different at that time. Uh, <laughs> so gradu- gradually. Uh, uh, I moved in. in re- I, I did research at that time, but uh, then then gradually moving towards uh, wellness and preventative care. Uh, while finally in, uh, later uh, in 2009, I, I decided to take a career move and, and went to industry. First uh, for Nokia, and, and later I uh, uh, span off with some some colleagues uh, a company called Pulse on in uh, which is an optical one of the pioneers in optical heart rate tracking and and uh, later on about a year ago I I, I quit that and and now uh, I'm I'm with First Beat on on doing the next level of the of the in the stack so to say the heart rate analytics rather than than measurement so. So that's that's in brief my 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 uh, background. And for those who aren't familiar with FirstBeat, maybe uh, a little bit more about what that company does. I happen to know a teeny bit about it because um, FirstBeat's embedded in the fitness watch that I use, the uh, Garmin VivoActive Three. Yeah, that's correct. So <clears throat> our core business is that we are. We are doing heart rate analytics, so so we transform the heart rate reading into something actionable and meaningful for the user. Uh, we were established in 2002 uh, as a spin-off of, of the University of Uvascular, and uh, we first looked at heart rate variability uh, as a, as a uh, parameter or or um, a method for for controlling the athlete's uh, overtraining. Uh, but soon we realized that actually while we, we uh, try to detect and prevent overtraining with heart rate variability based methods, those are also applicable for for uh, regular people who are struggling with stress and, and recovery. Uh, so so that's where we started and, and gradually we have been moving into other other uh, domains from elite sports. Uh, we still do have this elite sports, so we have uh, we are serving elite teams like uh, uh, NHL, NBA, etc., kind of teams for and their coaches for for optimizing the training and recovery uh, of their athletes. Uh, but we, uh, more, I think, better known uh, area where we are is that we we do do develop and license the heart rate analytics algorithms for for wearables. So so for example, Garmin, Huawei. Suunta um, and and some other brands they are using our analytics to to transform the sensor reading into more actionable information like fitness level, calorie consumption, uh, stress and recovery metrics, etc. 
Mm. Um, now, I've had a, a couple of conversations on the podcast about uh, IoT and some of the challenges of analytics in an IoT environment. And I guess when I think about this device on my wrist, it's kind of like an uh, IoT in the small and all of the challenges, uh, well, not all of them, but uh, some of the challenges that are uh, typical for IOT in particular, the noisiness of the sensor readings and things like that. I get the impression that there's a lot of that going on, um, in the, and with regards to kind of the heart rate sensor, uh, in the wearables. That's very correct. So, so that's, that's, that's absolutely true. So the, the, uh, typical limitations or requirements of the IOT are, are that, uh, that the sensor is is very power limited and and uh, capacity or resource limited environment in that sense that you don't have the super po- super computer power there. Uh, you have limited amount of battery. You want to use mo- uh, as efficiently as bot- possible to to have the battery lifetime as long as possible. Still, you want to have a rich reads uh, information uh, from multiple of sensors. So for example, typical Garmin sports, what has, has a motion sensor and barometer uh, in addition to heart rate monitor and GPS. Uh, and then of course, all these radios. So it's, it's quite interesting uh, from uh, 80s or 90s perspective. In fact, it would be a supercomputer, but, but <laughs> nowadays it's, it's, it's not. And uh, and, and things with what, what are being done there are quite fascinating. The other thing I think uh, which is very, very uh, different uh, from, for example, as I told, I started with biomedical engineering on 90s when we were working with hospital systems and monitoring of a patient in a hospital. There, uh, there were, uh, the monitoring was continuous and controlled in a way, but, but here it's very... Um, liberal or or there are a lot of a decrease of freedom in in the sensor use also that that it's uh people are wearing wearing uh the sensor not continuously but but uh on on uh sometimes they're wearing sometimes they are not and and mm-hmm. also how, the way how they wear it how they attach the sensor to their wrist and uh, and and uh how snug it fits fits to the wrist and so on they they are um, not so well controlled and that causes a lot of variation in the signal quality. Also, uh, ambient uh, parameters like temperature, ambient light uh, and, and motion and so on, they, they affect a lot the sensor reading. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's quite challenging data what is, what is measured by these sensors and there's quite sophisticated algorithms and, and uh, and uh, detection technologies, which are required to make make sense out of that. Mm. And so, for the devices that FirstBeat is embedded in, um, are you pulling data directly off of the sensors and kind of responsible for giving the the watch kind of everything from the ground up the the heart rate itself plus the higher level uh, metrics that you're providing or does the the watch or the sensor provide some of those metrics, and you're doing higher level analytics on top of that? Uh, it's 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 rather the latter. So so our interface to the sensor is typically uh, the heart rate and and beat to beat heart rate, and and uh, also we use motion and GPS speed and things like that. But okay. but we don't do the the heart rate detection, but but we do the 
uh, as, as I said, uh, we transform the heart rate and heart rate variability uh, data into actionable information. So it's a little bit higher level uh, analytics based on a physiological model and um, of of the of how how the human physiology works and and how how the autonomic nervous system for uh, controls the heart rate and heart rate variability and how it can be how this kind of uh, data can be interpreted in in uh, in in terms of physiology and and uh, behavior. Okay, so before we get into the company's approach to uh, the analytics, maybe take a moment to talk about heart rate uh, variability and how that's uh, calculated and why that uh, number is important. Yeah, so heart rate variability refers to beat-to-beat variation in the in the uh, interval between the heart be- heartbeats. So each successive heartbeat is is uh, ha- having certain time instant in between them and and this this time difference between successive heartbeats is is varying as a function of time so so uh and this variation is is re- uh, related to the functioning of the so-called autonomic nervous system which controls all our autonomic body functions like respiration perspiration uh and and uh, blood pressure and and heart rate among others so um this this uh, autonomic nervous system is is usually divided into two branches which uh, which are sympathetic and parasympathetic branch so um this sympathetic branch is is uh, responsible for so called uh um, fight or flight response. So, so whenever our physiological resources are needed, uh, the sympathetic nervous system activates and and uh, prepares the body for the for the new requirements like like uh, increased energy expenditure or 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 increased physical activity or increased mental activity, uh, and that is actually what happens when we have a body uh, f- physical activity. Or when we have mental activity or elevated uh, stress, for example, it, it's uh, the sympathetic nervous system which is activate, which activates, and that can be seen as an elevated heart rate and, and in broad terms, reduced amount of heart rate variability. Um, the parasympathetic part is the other other nervous branch, and that is uh, responsible for for cooling down the body after the uh, requirements of or immediate requirements of the of the situation are over. So so to to basically recover the resources and 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 uh, reduce the heart rate, increase the heart rate variability, rate, and so on. And and uh, I said this is in broad terms. Uh, uh, the functioning of these autonomic nervous system branches are seen in the heart rate and heart rate variability. Uh, it sounds simple and the principle is quite simple, but the challenge is that, of course, there's huge inter-individual and also intra-individual variance between, uh, in, in this, uh, especially heart rate variability. Uh, they are affected by uh, several factors like uh, different... Uh, substances and and in addition to stress and and physical or mental requirements also also our metabolism and and so on play a role there and and people are different so so their interpretation is 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 quite challenging in fact this phenomena 
was was uh, identified years ago and and it has been active research in in the heart rate variability since early 70s but only quite recently during last last 10 years or so we have learned how to how to truly uh manage all these these different factors which which affect the phenomenon and how we can transform the information into something which is uh useful and in order to do that it requires uh an approach to analytics that takes into account not just the um you know not just kind of the raw data that you're pulling off of these sensors but also a, a model of how the body works is that right yeah that's right so uh, for example, our approach for the for the heart rate variability analytics is that we have constructed a, a digital physiological model of the human human uh, body or body functions. So um, uh, we we uh, have have uh, figured out the physiological mechanisms. For example, how respiration, um, physical activity, uh, heart rate, uh, mental activity, how they affect each other, how they are related and 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 how heart rate variability is refle- reflects these activities and and uh, based on this physiological model we can we can uh, interpret the data we that's that's the that's the physiology part but then we use the data and, and data-driven driven, uh, machine learning, basically, to tune the data in, to be physiological uh, or to be relevant for, for each individual. And, and we have, in fact, uh, a database of 250,000 uh, individuals where, where we have a wide range of people with different age, uh, both genders, uh, different uh, physical fitness, and different BMI or weight and height, and and by using that data uh, measured in in daily during daily life in different conditions, we can we can uh, uh, numerically adapt this model for it so that it fits for its individual and and uh, produces uh, uh, kind of a personalized. Uh, uh, but yet standardized uh, outputs. Hmm. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the physiological model uh, to get us started? What's the? How is that expressed? I'm imagining it's a mathematical model of some sort. What's its kind of size, shape, level of complexity? Uh, and is this something that ultimately lives in the device that um, that the end user is wearing? Yeah, uh, if I start from, from from the end of your question, so <laughs> yes, yes, it relies in it. We have implemented this model into into a software library, and it, it indeed it, it is embedded into the uh, these wearable okay. uh, devices. So these these uh, today's supercomputers, in a way, uh, <laughs> and um, and and how it works is basically that that that. Uh, uh, for each time instant, we have a first first level is that we have a, a active segmentation of the data that 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 we uh, segment the data and and uh, after that we uh, classify uh, calculate certain certain features of the data uh, and and these physiologically motivated features based on the physiological model. Like for example, we transform. Uh, the heart rate and heart rate variability data into into uh, oxygen consumption or momentary oxygen consumption uh, VO2 or VO2 
and then we uh, detect based on the heart rate variability we detect the uh, respiratory rate and and uh, based on these these uh, basically these two uh, uh, parameters describe the level of, of physical activity and and also um, respiratory rate is related to the, also the physical activity and based on that we can classify whether a certain time instant is physical activity or or uh, mental activity and after that uh, we can also by looking at the heart rate variability and and uh, uh, whether there is sympathetic or parasympathetic dominance uh, we can classify its time instant whether that is more of his, uh, mental stress or or uh, physiological recovery and mm. and uh, accumulating from that we can calculate different kind of things uh, like like uh, level of stress in, in during the day and, and uh, amount of recovery uh, from the, from the VO2 levels uh, we also can calculate energy expenditure etc and when we combine uh, issues like speed or or uh, physical effort which is measured by the motion sensor we can also calculate uh, body uh, and, and using the information uh, like personal heart rate maximum and age and gender and so on we can we can calculate estimate the vo2 max which is the fitness level of the individuals and things like that so it's hmm. it is uh, there is actually we have certain white papers describing that, but there is actually a multitude of different physiological mechanisms embedded. Uh, I don't. I think it doesn't make sense to go to details, but just just to take <laughs> as an example is that 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 we we have modeled that when you start a physical activity, there is certain uh, the heart rate increase is not immediate but gradual, and and it also depends on your previous physiological state. Mm-hmm. That, for example, in, in interval training. Uh, we know that that the previous interval affects to the next one, and we can have this kind of on-off uh, kind of, of uh, mechanisms in the model, uh, and and those are taken into account. So it's it's a, it's kind of a state state compartment model, uh, heavily heavily uh, based on the physiology which is behind there. Hmm. Uh, and so you mentioned that there's a the physiological model and then a, more of a data driven model. All of the metrics that you just mentioned are those all coming out of the physiological model before you even get to the data driven piece. Uh, how it works is it's basically that we have uh, the the principles are are physiological, but the, but uh, the parameters or uh, how how it really works uh, how how you uh, how the input data is is uh, processed and how the classification and and uh, uh, quantification of the di- uh, different uh, physiological parameters goes that's that's heavily data driven. So we have used a uh, big amount of data what we have to tune the parameters of the model and and to tune it also or, or to adapt it to each individual. So that let's say that it it uh, data driven. Uh, personalization of the model mm. which is done there i don't know if you if that makes sense but well in in what way um is it how personalized like is this um a machine learning type of a model that is running uh you know on the device itself or is it you know you're doing 
analytics using some type of machine learning that that spits out uh, some number of different models and uh, you can choose between models on the watch? How personalized are you able to, to go with it? We are using both approaches. So uh, when you take a new device into use, you are asked to provide uh, your background parameters like gender, weight, age, uh, height, and, and activity level. And those are used to, to put you broadly to the, to the scale that what is typical for, for an individual of your age and gender and, and fitness level. Mm-hmm. But then when, uh, and that is kind of a, uh, machine learning or, or database driven learning with what, what, what we continuously update based on the data, what we, we accumulate from, from our users. But then, then uh, it's also uh, adaptive model in the sense that, that, that we use the, uh, we have algorithms which uh, adapt uh, the, the com- computation to your daily physiological or n- your normal physiological and, and, and uh, uh, physical activity levels and, and uh, heart rate variability levels and so on. So basically, uh, uh, the devices get more accurate after a couple of days of use when they have... Uh, the algorithms have learned what is your typical level of heart rate variability and what is your your typical responses and and your your real uh, true heart rate minimums and maximums during different daily activities. So so the model adapts uh, to the to the user, and that is why also these these devices are are typically designed for personal use if you would use for example share that these uh, wearable devices with with some of your colleagues or your wife uh, that would be suboptimal in the same sense that 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 the uh, the learning would not converge mm. the the learning that we're talking about here it's um I don't know what's the right way to ask this question. We're not talking about like training in the sense of training a machine learning model. That's certainly not happening on the, on the the wearable device. It's more like tracking the, the individual's data and adapting the model to the data over time. Yeah, that is, that is probably more accurate description of that. Yes. So, so they are, there is a, in, in the physiological model, uh, and, and which is being being uh, uh, broadly optimized for for your age and gender and weight and etc. So so that is being more fine tuned to to the uh, your exact uh, characteristics based on based on the adaptation there. But it it is correct. It's more like um, adaptation. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned classifying a few times. Are you ending up having to do things like, uh, like uh, d- outlier detection and things like that, where you're getting rid of noisy data from the sensor itself, or does that happen at a lower level? Uh, we hope that most most of that happens in a lower level, but in fact, we we have uh, uh, a lot of that happening in the analytics layer as well. So, okay. so especially with optical sensors, there is a lot of, a lot of uh, noise, a lot of uh, poor data, and in fact, we can we have uh, we have uh, built quite a lot of intelligence into into the uh, separation or detection of poor and and good, appropriate quality data, and and. Uh, uh, what we actually do in the model is is that when we detect uh, 
that the input data is is not valid we we have uh, several mechanisms to to bridge those gaps or or survive without uh, without uh, providing f false outputs in in fact to an extent that for example our stress and recovery analysis is still still uh, providing uh, quite valid outputs uh, up to the error level of 50%, which is quite high. So, hmm. so as long as, as more data which is coming in is, uh, is, is uh, reflecting the real heart rate, then we can, we can provide reasonable analytics. Of course, when, when there is more false data than, than, than real data, then there's mm -hmm. little one can do. But Right, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, and so we've talked uh, about primarily about the things that are happening on the device itself, but you've also got this uh, warehouse, so to speak, of uh, data from individuals. Um, what are you, uh, you know, in addition to kind of the work you're doing to develop the, the models for the device, are there other things that the company is doing to, you know, with uh, machine learning and analytics to um, take advantage of that data? Yeah. So we have we have uh, two other businesses and and uh, uh, one is uh, we provide corporate wellness service called a lifestyle assessment and there okay. the idea is is that we uh, uh, basically sell for corporates who are interested to improve or promote their employer well-being uh, an assessment service where employers employees get uh, a heart rate monitor a special heart rate monitor. Uh, for three days, it's based on ECG, so it's very accurate to one millisecond uh, time resolution. Uh, and they do uh, three-day heart rate uh, variability recording together with the diary. And by using those uh, those heart rate data and, and the diary data, we construct a report and and uh, give feedback to to individuals about their physical activity, sleep, stress, and recovery, and and. Uh, uh, fitness level and things like that, and that that those are also compared to the recommendations like uh, physical activity recommendations, uh, sleep recommendations, and and uh, what is normal at their age and gender, uh, and and that is used uh, very often in uh, this kind of wellness campaigns where where people are 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 um, motivated to improve their lifestyles um, and, and improve their stress management skills uh, so it can be used as, a, as an initial initial measure to to uh, assess the starting point and, and identify the exact activities they should they should do to improve their lifestyles and and that is something uh, as we sell as a service and and that is actually a one source where we get a lot of data we we do we did last year about 50,000 such assessments oh, wow. uh, mostly in uh, in Europe in Finland UK Germany Sweden now in Singapore as well not so much in US yet uh, but that is actually an, a good source for data for us so because we we get this kind of a uh, uh, last year, we got like 150,000 new data sets with, with documentation and background information and diary. And that is actually what we learn uh, use for, for the optimization and, and further further development of our, our technologies, which we use then for, for consumer devices. 
so uh, yeah, that is that is an interesting area. But that that's not to say that that is just this this uh, service is is actually used um, and developed as, on its own. It's not just for data collection, but it's really just just to uh, for corporate wellness business. And and we 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 see that actually there are there's a lot of lot of uh, interest there. About 95 percent of the people who who uh, uh, make the assessment are uh, find it very very useful and and recommend it for the others. So so it's uh, we're looking at the, at how to how to scale it up and how to bring make it more broadly available at mm. the moment. Mm-hmm. How does a company organize to tackle analytics types of problems or challenges, um, given the the strong domain expertise required, um, but also the you know the analytical uh, requirements uh, to for machine learning and, and traditional analytics. Yeah, so we have a here in Finland we have a team of of uh, uh, data analytics analysis experts, uh, and and then we have a team of physiologists. And in fact, we have organized it so that these two teams are working as a, as a single single uh, bigger team. Uh, so they work on a daily basis with each other. Uh, so they are people who are who are from data science, and and they are uh, sports physiologists and and uh, physiologists who are expert in the physiology. And and, uh, and and that's the big big thing. What we are doing doing that that they are they are not they are basically never doing a single project that that, that only only one one side of that expertise will be present then of course we have engineers with software software uh, background and and so on to transform all of that into into something which can be delivered to customers and or uh, or implemented in uh, into our services but but the core thing there is that the majority of that r&d or intellectual work is done by by the uh, this this data data scientists or or physiologists Hmm. I, I guess I'm I'm curious about the opportunities that are created as you know we advance, we continue to advance um, in our knowledge of um, applying machine learning and you know even some of the the newer techniques like deep learning that you know might not necessarily be applicable to running on a, a watch. Um, but do, do you have any perspectives on what opportunities these um, technologies and the increased focus on these technologies creates for first beat yeah certainly I, I think we are we are just getting there uh, that um, <laughs> even though we have data from roughly two hundred and fifty thousand individuals in our databases and so on it's still um, it, it's it, it it only today I think it starts to be in the scale where I would really truly call it as a big data. So although I do recognize that it's probably quite unique mm-hmm. uh, resource um, that very few few organizations would have, or if if not if anybody would have have that amount of of hard rate variability and and uh, background data available. So we are actually applying at the moment. We're looking at at. Uh, Things like how we could apply more more uh, machine learning type of things, and we have done some experimentation. But but I have to say that to to date, our 
perspective is very much that there are uh, challenges with applying just pure machine learning without having having uh, uh, some kind of a domain knowledge to to uh, constrain uh, the 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 this kind of a machine learning methods. There is a risk that you over over optimize to certain data sets and they don't generalize. And I think one of the one of the learnings what we have done and how why why our methods also work in the wearable environment and how, why they work in in uh, uh, almost all all the individuals is that, that that they are based on this kind of a physiological principles and and we use only only data to to uh, uh, kind of uh, optimize those principles and make them numerically work and 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 uh, in that sense we are not very heavily using using for our heart rate data we are not using this kind of pure machine learning like uh, deep learning kind of methods we have and we are experimenting on that but i'm actually not a great believer that that would be the optimal way to go great great well oka this was a, a really fascinating conversation and i um i appreciate the way that you're combining the physiological models with the the data-driven models. And I think um, clearly the domain knowledge is important here, as is the case in, in, you know, many, if not all of the, the use cases that folks are having success with. So uh, thanks for taking the time out. Thank you very much. It was good for me as well. All right, everyone, that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for your continued feedback and support. Remember, for your chance to win in our AI at Home giveaway, head on over to twimmelai.com slash myaicontest for complete details. For more information on Ilka, FirstBeat, or any of the topics covered in this episode, head on over to twimmelai.com slash talk slash 106. Thanks once again to Intel AI for their sponsorship of this series. To learn more about their partnership with Ferrari North America Challenge and the other things they've been up to, visit ai.intel.com. Of course, we'd be delighted to hear from you, either via a comment on the show notes page or via Twitter, directly to me at, at Sam Sherrington or to the show at, at Twimmel AI. Thanks once again for listening and catch you next time.